1: hello master plan world welcome to our latest podcast it's a pleasure to have you all out there listening I'm Chloe Thomas the creator of the e-commerce master I'm an author speaker and advisor and I focus on solving your e-commerce marketing problems if you've got an e-commerce problem you would like my help to solve then head over to ecommercemasterplan.com forward slash solve now before we get stuck in a word from the sponsors of today's episode. Many brands selling direct to consumer fail to offer the fast and frictionless shopping experience that customers demand. Bright Pearl by Sage provides a retail operating system for retailers and wholesalers. Their mission is clear. Automate the back office so you can spend your time and money growing your business fearlessly and without limitations. Their built-for-retail features tick every box, including inventory management, order management, warehousing, fulfillment, shipping, purchasing, accounting and even retail business intelligence. All enabling easy automation to free up your time to focus on growth. Find out more and book a demo at ecmp.info forward slash brightpearl. That's ecmp for e-commerce master planinfo dot info forward slash brightpearl. Okay, today we are doing something a little different on the show. You've just heard an ad encouraging you to get yourself on the list for the free report, Fast and the Frictionless. And in this episode, we're going to be diving a lot deeper into what that's actually all about. If you're a regular listener to the show, you will know I'm often talking and evangelising about the importance of the customer experience, the importance of understanding what the customer wants and giving it to them in everything from the product, the service, the delivery, right through to your marketing. We are increasingly in a world where the strength of the emotional connection you make with your customers is your biggest competitive advantage, has the biggest impact on your profit at the end of the year. Serving customers in a fast and frictionless way is the bedrock to building that connection. The more I've learned about this particular research report and its contents, the more I realise I wouldn't be doing my job as the host of this podcast if I didn't do an episode getting down into the details. So let me introduce you to today's guests who are going to tell us all about the key lessons from the report that you can all use to improve your e-commerce businesses. I'm joined by Derek O'Carroll, who's the CEO of Pearl, and they provide a complete cloud-based back-office solution to help retailers and wholesalers grow efficiently, and also Neil Mackay, who's the CEO of Endless Gain, and they create and optimize and personalize customer experiences to increase revenue for their clients. Hello, Derek and Neil.
2: Hello, Hi. Chloe. Hi, Chloe.
1: Okay, just so as people know who they're listening to, Derek, what do you sound like?
0: Well, I sound like this, Chloe, and thanks very much for
2: having me on the show today.
1: Excellent. And Neil, how about you?
2: Hi, Chloe. Um, again, thanks for having me on the show as well.
1: Awesome. Okay, so guys, now you now you know who's who. So, uh, and I've given our listeners a very quick overview of what we're going to be talking about today, but let's get started at the start. What led you to decide to do this research and create this report for everybody to get their teeth stuck into?
0: Great. So, um, Chloe, we undertook the research to address a shift in the business model that we're seeing in the market today. So, if you think of a traditional model for a retailer, you would consider at the manufacturing point you'd have a brand, then you'd have a distribution arm, which might be another company, then a reseller function, which might be also another company in another country, selling to the cu- to the customer, and that's a four stages um, business process. And that's what we all understand as being the traditional business model up to about 10 years ago. Mm-hmm. And with the emerging trends of e-commerce platforms and the technology evolution that's allowed and enabled consumers to become a lot more empowered, there is an opportunity now which has been driven by companies who have really trailblazed in this area like Under Armour, Dollar Shave, Pub, uh, Closier, where they have innovative new business models that go direct from the brand to the consumer. So direct-to-consumer is what it's all about. And we undertook a very extensive survey of 4,000 consumers and 200 brands in the UK and in the USA to find out a little bit more about this phenomenon.
1: So in terms of, of direct-to-customer, we're meaning someone who has designed and created their own products selling direct to the consumer via their own platforms rather than via a wholesaler or or a marketplace or something else.
0: Exactly. And then also being able to serve the nuances that exist today as a result of behavior changes. That's consumer behaviors. Those nuances being, you know, serve me in a highly personalized way across all channels that I choose to engage with you and give me that optimized level of uh, service and freedom with regard to delivery and payment options on top, so it's brands engaging on a whole different path of operational excellence um, uh, in order to be able to satisfy those requirements.
1: Got you. So it's it's a it's a seriously complex thing to do, isn't it? It's a very easy for us to talk about it, but the actual achievement of it is often where people people get stuck.
0: Correct, yeah, because it's, it's quite challenging. So if you just back up from that, you say, mm-hmm. well, you know, why would you do D2C in the first place? What's the driver for the retailer, excuse me, the brand? The first driver is obviously revenue and new market penetration at low cost, and obviously driving better margin. But the other area, and you touched upon it earlier, is the ability to um, own and optimize the data that drives relationships in today's world. So whether that's customer data or supplier data, on both sides of the equation, for the purposes of this report, we're really focusing on the customer data. And in order to be able to to capture that opportunity, uh, you've got a a number of challenges that need to be overcome if you're really going to take uh, take down that opportunity that exists. And those challenges exist around fulfillment, uh, being able to offer and compete with the same level of service that companies like Amazon offer. So same day, next day, which is pretty much the norm now. Mm-hmm. Um, you've got to be able to choose and have the right skill sets internally to understand the technology stack that you're going to need to be able to have a single view of data and information and trade all across all points of interaction with the customer. Uh, and then obviously, it's it's change management and people, which is the age-old paradigm that exists whenever there's an opportunity. You've got to make sure that you... Address it, plan for it, but you also get the right type of people with the right type of skills on board. So there's some really big challenges to be over to be able to overcome if you're going to take advantage of that.
1: And where would we, where do we start? Because there's there's a lot of people saying we need to be better direct to customer, we need to do this, and, and many many businesses, as proved, you know, by some of the stats in the report, want to be offering that to their customers, that Mm -hmm. seamless experience. But how do we work out where to start improving things in order to make the biggest difference to the customer experience?
2: Well, from my perspective, I'd look at that and say, well, it all starts with when customers come onto your website. Um, Consumers are coming onto your website by choice. Uh, They've chosen to come onto your website. So when they come onto your website, you have to give them the best experience you possibly can to allow them to actually buy from you. And then when they buy from you, it's making sure that all of the fulfillment is managed correctly. Um, when you look online, before a person even becomes a customer, they're a visitor. Mm-hmm. And there's a lot of problems on websites. Um, a lot of retailers, a lot of brands think that they're delivering a good experience, presenting a good experience to their customers. A lot of the research that we conduct um, shows that actually customers disagree quite drastically. They think the experience is very poor in a lot of cases. Um, So you have to conduct a lot of research, you have to find out what it is your customers want to make a buying decision and then you have to go about giving it to them as best as you possibly can and keep listening to your customers and keep improving the experience.
1: Yeah, I think it's something which a lot of people skip is they kind of go, oh, let's just, just offer all the same delivery options that Amazon offer without actually finding out what their customers need. Um, yeah. And you can you can spend an awful lot of time and money negotiating and finding the courier option option and all the rest of it to deliver <laughs> a delivery method it turns out your customers don't actually care about and you completely yeah. miss the one the one they do
2: absolutely absolutely
0: yeah I th- I, th- I think as well the 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 survey that some of the statistics that came out of it was that disconnect between the expectation of the retailer and the requirements or demands of the consumer. And of the 200 brands we interviewed, 87% of them said they plan to launch DTC, direct-to-consumer, in the future. And 23% said they had a plan to be able to execute that in the next 12 months, which is quite a a significant proportion. But when you jump to the, um, uh, the question around, well, what is the level of service and the level of customer satisfaction for those who've already rolled out DTC, there was a massive disconnect. 64% of uh, consumers said, you know, a bad experience that they've had a bad experience with regard to direct to consumer. And then obviously we all know that that obviously impacts loyalty and the ability to buy again. And about half of the brands themselves who've rolled it out, they said that they understood that their post purchase experience was good. You know, not great, was just good. And a fifth of them said that it was not good at all. In other words, they're acknowledging. The opportunity, But they're also acknowledging that they're failing to meet those high demands of the customer as they roll it out because they're not taking the correct steps that uh, were alluded to earlier.
2: I think there's also a fear as well. well it's, I'll start off by saying that consumers and brands, they both want the same thing. They both want an excellent customer experience. Yeah. Brand, brands want to give an excellent customer experience and consumers want to receive an ex- excellent customer experience. Um, but like I said, the disconnect is there. And I think brands are also, um, they're scared as well, particularly nowadays when there's so much competition out there in the marketplace. They know that by delivering a poor experience, they're going to lose customers because customers won't come back. Um, so they really have to have a look in terms of, okay, what it is that customers want. Yeah. what customers want for that experience and some of the interesting things that I saw in the research that was conducted that we conducted um, what are the three most important things when making a buying decision so when consumers are, are asked what are the three things that really influence your buying decision and we've conducted these researches ourselves over the last few years and they're pretty similar price comes out top value for money the quality of the product delivery of returns, they're the top three things that people are always looking for. Am I getting value for money? Is this product of quality? And what are the delivery and returns? Make the process easy. But one thing which was very interesting, because if you look on a lot of e-commerce sites, a lot of them are offering discounts constantly. Constantly discounts, 50% off, 25 pounds off. and that. But when you ask consumers how important is that to you, the discounts, they're quite low. It's a very low priority for them, which then leads retailers into the challenge of um, intrinsic and extrinsic motivation. Intrinsic is I'm buying from you because I want to. And extrinsic is I'm buying from you because you're telling me to. And there's a danger that retailers are educating consumers to wait until I give you a discount.
1: Yeah, the, the problem is it's an awful lot easier to do a 20% off email than it is to fix your delivery problems.
2: Absolutely. Absolutely.
1: But Absolutely. one of them would build a long-term, more sustainable business, and the other one is yeah. very, very much a quick, a quick, painful win. Um,
0: yeah, I, it, I think back back to your uh, your other question. The 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 path of success that I see our customers taking when they decide that they they have a brand that resonates and they pick the markets and the channels they want to serve. The the guys who really nail it, they take the time they get some people get they get some inbound skills and they map out the workflows around the customer journey. So a lot a lot of brands before D2C have workflows that are centered around their product and they need to make a big shift toward designing workflows that are around basically are customer centric but in specific uh, terms around things like uh, what is my returns policy? How am I going to execute that? Um, How am I going to deal with payments across channels and how am I going to deal with issues like buy online, pick up in store? And the brands that actually take time to map out those workflows that are super important to the customer, they're the ones that then spin out the requirements that then drive the technology stack needs that we obviously serve. But that, that's uh, back to your question around, you know, what steps do people take? That's what I see from my perspective.
1: I mean, it, it does strike me that, that it is in some ways a lot easier to get the customer journey frictionless and fast mm-hmm. if you are a brand with a great product who hasn't yet gone direct to customer. Mm-hmm. And so you're able to get the foundational bedrock in place you know, the tech, the systems and the people that are going to enable you to do it well before you start rather than be someone who's already doing some direct-to-customer and has a whole load of stuff to change, if that makes sense, in that in that channel? Is that what what you're finding working with people who are making this shift?
0: Yeah, there, there's two groups, as you, as you said. The, the The importance of change management and understanding business continuity risk going from I'm just a brand and I sell traditionally, as we said earlier on, to adopting the direct to consumer, that's a big, big undertaking and it requires a massive amount of investment. And obviously, that investment and with that amount of change introduces a lot of risk to that brand. And they also have to make sure they don't alienate their existing relationships, maybe with distributors or resellers in other markets. So, that's a real, there's a mix of uh, business acumen sort of demands on making sure that you don't throw the baby out with the bathwater if you're an existing mm-hmm. brand. And then all of the new brands that come to us who are experienced teams, well-funded, well-tried, differentiated offering, um, you know, pricing strategy, correct, but an experienced team. I haven't seen one in the last 24 months that does not come to us with a plan where they're already incorporating D2C to to, you know, from the get-go and they design from there and they have the advantage. Um, obviously, they don't have scale, but they have the advantage, especially if they're really well-funded. And we're seeing a lot of that.
2: A comment that I'd make on that is that we've seen that brands who we're working with, sometimes brands can spend too much time in getting everything set up correctly. And I'm talking about the website here. They want to launch with the perfect website. And because they believe that by launch with the perfect website, all of the problems will be solved. From our experience, it doesn't matter whether your website's perfect or not. They always have problems on them. And the friction points that your customers are experiencing are very, very, um, re- I want to say yeah, they're very relevant, but it's also, it also doesn't matter on the technology that you use in some aspects because a customer who's buying from Amazon will put up with more friction, p- more friction pain points than if somebody was buying the exact same product on my website they wouldn't put up with it because there's trust factors. So there's many different areas which make up friction points and where people are going to drop off on a website before they actually make the purchase. And sometimes our recommendation is get the products out there, do a lot of research, and find out exactly how how your website is making your customers feel. And the technology that we actually have, we have biometric technology, which helps us to understand how websites are making customers feel. And we can then start to optimize on those bases and improve the experience because no two websites are the same. And don't copy a competitor's solution because it might not be relevant <laughs> to your site. I think we oh, all. So with
1: that. true. So true. Uh-huh. I'm very glad, Neil, that you mentioned friction points there. Cause I thought that was one of the really fascinating stats that I've seen, seen from the report so far, which mm. is that. The, the The number of friction points a customer is willing to accept <laughs> is quite a lot lower than the number as retailers we believe they're willing to accept
2: well, well retailers this that, when I, that piece of research made me laugh, made me smile because retailers by nature, we have confirmation biases. we believe that what we have we've, we think we've done a good job mm-hmm. we really do believe we've done a good job, and by and large we have because we know our site, we know what problems we're looking for so we can find them and we can fix them. But it's the ones that you don't know about. And when we do, when we start to work with any client to optimize their customer's experience on the site, we conduct a lot of research. And I think in the reports, retailers are saying that they've probably got two or three uh, friction points on the site that they know of. They know they give a good experience. And customers are saying they'll put up with probably two to three friction points before they leave. When we work on websites from some of the biggest global brands to some SMEs, we are finding hundreds and hundreds of friction points, conversion blockages on websites, literally. And I'm saying on average anywhere between four to six hundred conversion blockages per site. And of course, of those, we'll, we'll look at the problems in more detail and you're probably going to get around 70 to 150 real problems on that side which we can optimize and it will make an improvement so i did smile i did smile when i when i saw that that retailers think they've only got about two to three uh, friction the, points on this side and there was an there was another
0: sentiment that came out of the report that i thought was interesting was the erosion of brand loyalty that sort of yes. sits on top as a consequence of these friction <laughs> points not being addressed uh-huh. It was um, out of the four thousand survey, there was thirty five percent said that they were less loyal to a brand a year ago, which is that that that's a that's a serious concern to a lot of the established brands, and uh-huh. really touches upon the 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 innovator advantage that exists for well for well funded companies that are out there against the more traditional brands that don't get involved with DTC in a serious way. That loyalty factor will. Um it, it will benefit the innovators, provided that they get the frictionless, uh, fast and frictionless con- concept in play when they actually execute. And I think that's another area of opportunity, but also concern that sort of highlights the importance of those small points of friction. And one I would add to the mix is small things like it returns. Everyone knows that returns is a big issue. And if you serve the returns last mile really well and you've invested in it, but you haven't looked after the, the last mile of payments or refunds back to the customer. And I was at an event last last week where one of the retailers actually cited that as being a major challenge and erosion to loyalty and brand uh, return in terms of customers coming back to them. You know, if you don't return refund people their money quickly to their credit card, you 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 impact that brand loyalty. So that's a, you know it's just another small point all the way through the life cycle. You've got to really be maniacal. Focused on the detail and walk the shoes of the of the consumer um, as it pertains to what you lay out on your websites and the systems you have. But I suppose the
1: the. Um the, the flip side to that is though that there's a huge opportunity to turn this into a real competitive advantage. If huge. you can build the emotional trust with the customer and remove those friction points, then you are going to be getting a customer who every time they want that product, they're going to come back to you again and again and again. And they're going to do your marketing for you because they're going to go out there and tell their friends what an amazing experience they've had with your business.
2: Yes. Um, so I think we both agree with that. And how Businesses achieve that is There are many options. Uh, can, I'll just share one with you. For me, yeah,
1: please do. Uh,
2: as customers, every single decision we take is driven by an emotion or an instinct. Every decision, and for us, it's very important that we understand what those emotions are, because depending on what those emotions or instincts are, they're either driving the consumer to stay and complete the purchase from you, or they're driving them to leave you. What we do is we go beyond UX and we really look at the customer experience in terms of we've, we work with biometric technology. So we've got equipment where we can bring participants into our office and get them to interact with websites. And the equipment that we have, the biometric equipment we have can actually tell how this website is making the customer feel. We're able to track the emotions, their arousal, the stress levels, uh, whether the brain is enjoying this experience or not. So what that then does for us when we work with retailers is we're not just fixing UX problems. We're looking to fix the customer's overall experience because if a customer has a good experience, they're likely to work their way from being a visitor to clicking on the buy button to being a customer. And then once you've got that, once you've got that first transition, uh, they will then uh, you've got the opportunity to then get them on, on a loyalty basis. So we work very hard on improving the customer's experience by understanding how websites make them feel. So I think that's one key area on how we, how retailers can improve the experience for their customers.
1: And Derek, is there one kind of key lesson for you that's a great tip for those, those listening who are considering starting on that D2C journey that to really that they cannot afford to miss? Um,
0: make sure you've got the right systems in place that allow you to understand in real time what your fully landed costs are in each channel. And what I mean by that is you might sell direct to, cons- to consumer, obviously through your own website, but you might be using a marketplace like, I don't know, Walmart or, or Amazon, depending upon where you're at. And each one of those companies, they have very unique and specific charge mechanisms in terms of what they charge you for using their service. And if you don't understand what those are and have them embedded in your systems, you're never able to do optimization of how you place your product and what the price is. And I see a lot of companies spending a lot of money, but get that wrong, um, at the planning stage. And it really does impact their ability to compete in those marketplaces.
1: Excellent advice. Right. Um, guys, if those of you listening, if you would like to get your hands on the full report, you can get it completely for free by heading over to info.brightpearl.com forward slash masterplan, where you will be able to register. Um, if you're nice and early, register for it as soon as it's released, or if it's already up there, get it straight away, because I know some of you listen to these back a, a while after. Um, right now, though, we're going to have a reminder of our sponsor. Bright Pearl by Sage provides a retail operating system for retailers and wholesalers. Their mission is clear. Automate the back office so you can spend your time and money growing your business fearlessly and without limitations. Their built for retail features tick every box, including inventory management, order management, warehousing, fulfillment, shipping, purchasing, accounting and even retail business intelligence all enabling easy automation to free up your time to focus on growth. Find out more and book a demo at ecmp.info forward slash brightpearl. That's ecmp for e-commerce master planinfo forward slash brightpearl. Learn more at brightpearl.com. Okay, so um, you all know I love this section because it gives all of us some quick ideas for taking our business to the next level. And today we're going to get Double the number of tips because Derek's got some for us and Neil's got some for us. So um, let's get started with the book top tip. So, if everyone listening to this podcast agreed to take Friday off and read a book to make their business better, which book would you recommend? So, um, Derek, if I come to you first for this one?
0: Well, I'd have to say the uh, Omnichannel Survival Guide by Chris Tanner and myself. I'm shamelessly going to mention that book. It, uh, it really will add value to anyone who's considering direct consumer in the Omnichannel world.
1: Very cool. I hadn't realized you have written a book, Derek. Very cool. I feel slightly embarrassed I didn't know that in advance. <laughs> <laughs> so a, a great recommendation. Um, and Neil, how about you? Um, can I recommend two? I'll let you have two, yeah. Oh,
2: thank you. Uh, one which I recently read and I thoroughly enjoyed was Lost and Founder by Rand Fishkin. I thought that's a fantastic book um, about setting up businesses and running them and um yeah, just all the learnings from it. And I think it doesn't matter whether you're a business owner or you work with inside an organization, it gives you great insights into businesses. So I'd recommend that one. Um, the second one, if I may, is one that, uh, myself, my colleagues wrote is one called consumer psychology selling fast and slow, how understanding the brain's two systems can boost your sales. It's only a short read. There's 70 pages. So it's, it's, it's nice. nice. It's a nice quick read, but it gives you all the different. Uh, advice on how to tap into your consumers system one and system two parts of the brain and what psychological techniques um, can help you and help them to achieve what they want on your website as well.
1: We like like a short read and um I think you're at least the second person to to recommend the Rand Fishkin book. So um oh, good. For those of you who don't know who Rand is, he's the founder of Moz.com, which I know a lot of you out there listening are devotees of. So um so yeah, well worth well worth a read. Okay. The traffic top tip then. Which marketing method do you either prize above all others or think doesn't get the press it deserves? Who wants to go first with this one?
0: Uh- I'll take this one okay. from my the one I see that um, has the most impact is um, uh, segmenting customers by cohort so understanding the customer profile and then uh, running email nurture doing personalized offers uh, out to those customers by understanding what they've bought before it's a simple tool but it's very effective it's just difficult to do right you've got to have the right resources and people on
2: it It's hugely effective.
1: Excellent advice. Uh, I'm a huge fan of email marketing, so I like that one. Uh, Neil, how about you?
2: Okay. I'd look at it uh, from another angle in terms of 54% of all traffic coming to websites is being controlled by either Google or Facebook. Uh, When we're working on websites who are bringing in a lot of paid traffic, there's a huge bounce rate and a lot of money is being lost just from people arriving on a site. So I'd say... If you're going to use those channels and businesses have to, because that's the nature of the world we're in, really optimize those landing pages so that when people land on those pages, the pages are relevant to them and it helps them to continue their send trail. Because they're on a central, they're looking for stuff. So keep giving them the information to help them to go and find what they're looking for.
1: Okay, right. The next one then is the tool top tip. This might be a collaboration tool, a social media plugin, a phone app, or just a way of working. Is there a cool little tool you use that makes you and your team more efficient from day to day?
0: Well, um, the biggest boon for us is Slack, which I think you mentioned earlier that uh, people mm-hmm. have already mentioned that. So Slack's a productivity tool. But if you're a retailer and you're lo- looking for a hardcore tool to help retailing and bus- building more business, uh, there's a tool called Inventory Planner, which is a great uh, inventory forecasting tool uh, that uh, a lot of our customers use. It's uh, very powerful to understanding when you need to buy um, uh, stock and actually has a lot of automation
2: capabilities
0: in there. So that will really grow the bottom line. So Slack and Inventory Planner.
1: Excellent. Okay. So uh, Neil, how about you?
2: I would say ongoing research. Um, and knows from not the answer you want, but communication all the time when we're working on websites, client websites, we are constantly talking to the consumers of those websites, constantly find out how they, how the experience is for them. Um, and I would just say, just do as much research as you possibly can and don't stop doing it.
1: So that fits in quite well with today's topic because this, um, removing the friction the, Elements of friction for the D2C journey is certainly something you can't do in January and forget about for the rest of the year. Yeah. Exactly. It? <laughs> You've got to keep, keep, it, keep on with it. Okay, then the okay. last top tip is the growth top tip. If you met someone today who's focused on growing their e-commerce business from 100 orders per month to 1,000, what would be your number one tip for them?
0: Ooh, my, I was thinking about this. Mine, um, I actually recommend training. And what I mean by that is... Ensure that you and the team have an ongoing training program for your technology stack because you'll end up putting together a number of products both for the front office and the back office, if we could use those descriptions. And a lot of issues I see within retailers is caused by the industry wide attrition rates that occur. Mm -hmm. Um, People tend to move around retailers, especially those who have sort of back office wholesale operations. There's a high rate of attrition in comparison to other industries. And being able to have an easy-to-use training module that is rolled out for all new starters. Hey, as you come in, this is how we do things. Here is our operational playbook. It, 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 so many customers I see that come in that are dealing with growth pains and don't understand why. And it's usually one of the first questions we ask, what's your onboarding plan for new hires? And it, it, in the majority of cases, we find that it's no longer in use, so we forgot about it. And you're wondering why there's challenges on fulfillment or issues with technology and so on and so forth. So pretty mundane, but hugely important, all about quality repetition of uh, skills through new hires.
1: It's great advice because I think um, the retail industry, and the e-commerce industry, is the worst I've ever come across for actually inducting new starters. Oh, it's brutal. By by some impressive margin, (laughs) it just seems to be, oh, there's your computer. (laughs) <laughs> and yeah. it's it's, uh, it's criminal, really, when you think how much we pay for the software and the tools and to set it all up. And that knowledge yeah. just doesn't and, get and passed then, and, on. And,
0: and what, what we see then is customers going, <laughs> I, I'm frustrated with this tool. I'm frustrated with that tool. And then they go through the the, the journey of changing tools because someone says, well, I, I used another tool before. Mm-hmm. So you've got your new hires bringing in all this unnecessary cost because that's the tool set they, that they know. And because you haven't invested in training who's going to win that one, and who's it going to cost.
1: Yeah. Oh, I, f- I feel like we could do a whole other episode on that, but let's, uh, <laughs> let's park that rant for the moment. Um, uh. <laughs> and um, Neil, have you got a growth top okay. tip for the listeners, please?
2: I would say that increasing your sales from 100 to 1,000 is, is a byproduct of you giving your customers a great experience. So never forget to focus on your customer's research and listen to them because every day they are telling you what's working for them and what's not working for them. And every day you don't listen to them is the day that you're losing getting to those thousand sales.
1: I love the fact that is both excellent advice and very nicely uh, links back into what we've been discussing today. So Masterplan World, you can find those top tips and links to everything else we've been chatting about in today's episode by heading over to ecommercemasterplan.com forward slash podcast, where you'll find a link to this show. Derek and Neil, before we say goodbye, could you let the listeners know where they can find you and your businesses on the web and social media? Uh, Derek, do you want to go first on this one?
0: Um, Yeah, um, brightpearl.com is our website. All information is linked from there. And then, as you said earlier on, infobrightpearl.com master plan is where you download the papers.
1: Excellent. And um, Neil?
2: Um, Our company, endlessgain.com. And uh, our company are very heavily active on LinkedIn, and so am I. So you can find me on LinkedIn as well.
1: Excellent. Well, I will add links to all of that and everything else we talked about today in the show notes. Master Plan World, you can find those at ecommercemasterplan.com forward slash podcast, or just go to the website, click on the podcast tab or use the search box. Derek, Neil, thank you so much for coming on the show today and kind of bringing the report that we've been talking about to life. I think the stats and the advice will have helped a lot of our listeners out. So thank you so much for taking the time to come and uh, chat to me about it. I really appreciate it.
2: Thank you so much. Thank you, Chloe. Thank you, Chloe.
1: Well, guys, I hope you enjoyed that kind of in-depth dive into how to go about creating those frictionless customer journeys and, and with that little angle on how to use it. If you're one of the wholesalers or brand owners who really want to push that direct to customer angle, or I suppose someone who's selling a lot via Amazon, eBay and the marketplaces and want to go direct to customer via your own website, via your own physical store, there's A lot to be done in terms of getting that customer experience right. So you really do bind them into you um, as they're, they're taking you on that journey. And some great tips and recommendations for further reading from the guys there as well. Do let me know what you think about what we've been talking about today in the discussion, which will be happening in the Facebook group, ecommercemasterplan.com forward slash Facebook, if you're not already in there. And if you're applying to join, please do make sure you answer the questions because it's one of the ways I keep spam out is by not letting people in who don't answer the questions. Very, very simple, very effective. Definitely something to do with your Facebook group if you're running one for your customers as well. Right. All of you have a great week. Focus on removing the friction from the customer journey and keep optimising.
0: Thank you for listening to the
1: e-commerce master plan podcast. Find out more at e-commerce master plan.